I'm very sure you have an important life, but whatever you are doing, stop and pay attention. It's the afternoon, a podcast with Brent and Robbie. Welcome to the Afternooner Sports Podcast. I'm Robbie, Robbie Bolton. With me, as always, is Brent Klein. You're being very formal tonight, Robbie. I appreciate that. Down You're also in a tuxedo. I am in a tuxedo. Just the top half. Cumberbund, not a vest, just C- for the record. Cumberbunds are done. They were... They're coming back. My, really? My, they're coming back. My only interaction with a cummerbund, if it's what I think it is, is from Disney's Peter Pan. A cummerbund? Yeah, the dad wears a cummerbund, right? It's the thing that, it's like, what's the cummerbund? Is that the sash, like the big belt? Yeah, it's yeah, like the it's, big belt that you wear on a tuxedo. It kind of covers up your, your waistline, doesn't it? Your I, belt? Think, I think you're thinking of a dicky, which is what oh, flaps up, yes. which no one wears dickies anymore. Either way, I just know that's like the physical gag for the, what's the darling dad's name? Terry. No. Is it? No. Wait, Mary. From, from Robin Hood? Peter Pan. All right, so speaking of Peter Pan, have you guys seen the movie Moana? No. Like, uh, my, Brit, my, my kids have seen it. I have not seen it. My you, kids you've not it. watched it with your kids yet? No. I've watched it with my kids at least two or three times now. It's excellent. Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame. I think he wrote at least half the songs or a handful of the songs in Moana. One of the best songs on the album or on the in the musical, movie music, animated musical, I guess you'd call it, uh, performed by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. About Alexander Hamilton? No, but it's the song, the lyrics and the music written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. You can watch them both. It's for- about Lin-Manuel. Yeah, I, I would like it's- it if when he wrote all the music, they had to keep being like, man, he keeps making Alexander Hamilton references in these songs. Like this is this does not belong. Like you can you can hear this song that The Rock does on Moana, and you can hear the Hamilton kind of influence in the way that that he wrote it. But then the, he also wrote the lead song from the musical, like the most the, the one that gets the most I guess the most popular song, and that one that one doesn't sound like any songs I've heard from Hamilton. But it's very good, very good. Uh, I recommend it. I really enjoyed enjoyed it. Think it's a very good uh, kids. Kids animated musical. I don't think that it's a bad movie. I just don't think that I'm ever going to watch it. No, you get a daughter. You'll eventually watch it. And to answer your question, I actually watched a movie with my children Saturday morning. My, our kids, our Saturday morning cartoons are kind of dead now in the age of Netflix streaming and kids are in shopping carts at grocery stores watching cartoons and stuff like that. But my kids still have Saturday morning cartoons because that's when they're allowed to watch cartoons. Mm. And so my wife was gone this weekend. And so we all on Saturday morning watched... An American Tale. With Fievel. With Fievel, That's where Fievel yeah. Goes West. No, Fievel Goes West is part two. An American gotcha. Tale is, the, first is the original, yes. That's about the Bolshevik Revolution, right? Wait, so what's the first one called? The first American one is called tale. An American Tale. So Fievel is not in the title at all? No, it's American Tale 2, Fievel Goes West. Now, mm-hmm. American Tale, the original one, is not about the Bolshevik Re- Revolution, really? which is in 1917, but it's wow. set in late 19th century when there are... It's clearly there's pogroms against Jewish people because Fievel, they're all Mouskiewicz, they're, they're, they're coded as Jewish That's mice. That's my last name, Mouskiewicz. Mouskiewicz, okay. And, and they're coded as Jewish, and, and so they come to America to get away from the anti-Semitism in Russia. So still about 20 years before 
the Bolshevik Revolution. Wait, so is it Five Goes West, or is it the American Tale that has Somewhere Out There as the main it, song? It, it has Somewhere Out There as the main song. It does. Yeah, it's a great song. Peebo Bryson. Linda Ronstadt. Who? Linda Ronstadt. She's the one who sings the female lead. The fantastic Linda Ronstadt. Somewhere out, out there. there. Someone saying a prayer that we'll find one another in that big somewhere out there. And even though I know how very far apart we are, it helps to think we might be wishing on the same bright star. And when the night wind starts to sing a lonesome lullaby, it helps to think we're sleeping underneath the same big sky. Brent, it's a duet. It's a duet. Do you want to be Peebo Bryson or do you want to be Linda Ronstadt? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what I'm doing. I I'm thought just... I was singing it by myself and you joined in, but... I'm just trying to sing it with you. I'm not a good singer. <laughs> I'm just trying... That's not true. That's not true, but you just need to make up your mind. You are a good I... singer. Just just pick a part. I don't, I don't know. That's the problem. I don't know. I'm out of control. I'm, is, I'm needing a little bit of grace here. This is exactly what happened on Thursday night when we sang the national anthem before the Intramural Flag Football Super Bowl. We did. We announced the Spring Armor University Intramural Flag Football whatever Super Bowl. Well, the, the, the event that Billy organizes. Yes, sure. and they donated $50 to St. Jude. And so, Thank you, Billy, Spring and SAU Intramurals. Thank you, guys. You did a great job. It was fantastic. You gave a lot of time that evening, so Good. we appreciate and, it. And uh, we sang the anthem, and we were doing fine. And then halfway through the anthem, you decided to be like singer with a capital S and started harmonizing instead of just singing the dang anthem with me. And yeah. then I was lost. I didn't know what to do because I couldn't that, go that high. I, that, I just I just thought you would have stayed on the the melody. And it's like hey, I can add I can add a little flair. That's, a little har- that's a hard flare. to do when you're singing a cappella. I think I'm, it is it is hard. Not just a cappella, but that was not planned. That was very spontaneous of you guys. I, so. I really I really didn't want to do it because I was afraid I was gonna me- I would forget the words. I wasn't confident I knew all the words to the national anthem. So not only were you depending on me to remember the words, you then changed <laughs> the harmony. Why did you do Like, I, I felt I just, lost. I didn't know what to do. I mean, R&B Robbie just, he was in there and he wanted to come out. And it just had to come out a little bit. I'm sorry. I actually paused a couple of times because I couldn't remember what the next phrase was. I, was, I, was, I wasn't confident. I was waiting for you to start the next phrase or verse before I started singing again. You had a great idea. So so we were we sing this anthem from the press box through the microphones. There's probably about, I don't know, 50, 100 people somewhere. I don't know. It was unplanned. No one it wasn't in the program. We 1, just did 1500 people? 50 or 100. Oh yeah, okay. And and so when we start singing the anthem, everybody turns to the flag. Yeah. And so now as the, didn't you think like as this as we're singing this like, "Oh, this got real." Cuz now we it can't did. make a joke of this. This, this is this like is we real. I I was like, "Oh, we'll just sing the first few lines and then we'll stop." But when everyone turned to face the flag, I realized, oh, we're committed. We've got to do the whole song. But you had a great idea what we should have done. What we should have done should have been almost to say, hey, we're going to have a moment. We're going to have a moment of silence. We need everyone on the field. Everyone on the field, all specters, just take a knee for this moment of silence. And then we trick everyone with a sudden national anthem recitation. And so here, everybody be taking a knee. And then all of a sudden, they'd be kneeling during the national anthem. But that was the idea you're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, I thought that would have been fantastic. I'm glad you guys didn't do that. <laughs> with, with that St. Jude's uh, check that intramural, SAU Intramurals donated, yeah, that, might that have been rescinded as at that point? As soon as you make that, 
political. That uh, I, that's redacted. I do believe a some country, some no name country musician this week released a song about taking a knee. So, yes. No. Yes, it was this week. Released the song. I have not seen the song. I, I have not heard the song. I think you're thinking about the Keith Urban song called no. "Female." No, there's a song called "Take a Knee, My My Butt," but it's not. But we're family friendly here. So, can we get the lyrics to that song real quick? I am all over it because honestly, I have not read the lyrics. I have not heard the song. I can only imagine. The, the jingoism that's in this song, whatever whatever you think about kneeling, hopefully you can come together, you can unite over opportunistic uh, jingoism. Coincidentally enough, the song is uh, written and performed by Neil McCoy. As in like... Neil. Uh, the real McCoy? Oh, Neil McCoy. His name's Neil. N-E-A-L. Maybe this is just a confusion about what he understands taking, like, kneeling for the anthem. Is the lyric when he says kneeling? Is he spelling it like the way he spells his name? Uh, I just is it just to play off his name? I, I feel like I might have insulted him if this is some in- incredible performance artistry. Like this isn't actually jingoism. This is this is uh, him punning for three and a half minutes. I don't. Uh... Right. So you, do you have the lyrics? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting the lyrics hey, up. Well, well, Billy's getting the lyrics up. Can, I'm not going to change the subject, but did you did you see the essay by Detroit Pistons coach Stan Van Gundy this week in Time Magazine? Yes. I think the title of it was NBA and NFL player protests are patriotic. Well, I think that's what this song, this country music song is about as it's well. It's saying the same thing. The same thing. I had a conversation with a, I'm going to be vague here on who it was with to protect the anonymity of this person, but someone who was a Pistons fan and is close to me was upset at Van Gundy's comments. It was a very thoughtful essay, some of which everyone might not agree with, but I think you could read it and agree. At least it was thoughtful. It was well-organized. It was a coherent point he was making. And the, the response this person said to me is like, now what's a basketball coach have to say about politics? Maybe you should just stick to basketball. And my thought was, this person's also uh, voted for our current president. My thought was, well, what's a wealthy, rich kid who deals in real estate and has a reality show? What does that person have to say about politics more so than a basketball coach? Doesn't a basketball coach just as have as much to say as a reality TV star? Of course, and and you're you're thinking you you don't really want to keep your politics out of your sports, otherwise you wouldn't want gigantic field size flags over an NFL field, right? You you you, you just don't want to keep other people's you want to keep other people's politics out, not your own. Exactly, yours are because yours are common sense. Yours are just human goodness. It's the other side that represents well. So. Wait, I, do you have an update on these well, lyrics? No, 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 no. I just want to speak into what you guys are talking about. I really like the red, white, and blue. It's really good, and so are you. Interesting. America's cool. It's pretty old. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This country just... <laughs> is fun. Its heroes are bold. This is, this is, a, this is different than the kind of... Uh... Insight you usually speak into well, our topics. I, I'm getting, Billy. I'm getting there. I'm getting America's there. cool. It's kind of old. Pretty, pretty old. Pretty old. It's pretty, it's pretty old. old. Is that? But is that qualifying the coolness? Like it's cool. I mean, for being pretty old. Now hold on. Let me get to my point here. All right. So I guess I'm gonna take a knee, my butt. That's right. I'm just gonna take a knee, my butt. <laughs> Yeehaw! Let's all just have fun taking a knee, my butt. Once I saw a veteran on the street. And I said, hey there, guy, you sure are neat. 
Oh my gosh. I bowed so deep I hurt my neck. If, Wait, so the bowing is okay, but the kneeling isn't. This is I really believe this next line. If you hate veterans, you're going to heck. Is that really what it says? Or are you censoring it? Uh, the previous thing I censoring. said was neck. He is censoring. Are you serious? Let me just say one more time since you guys clearly didn't understand me. I bowed so deep I hurt my neck. If you hate veterans, you are going to heck. It, it, your, your sincere sentiment here is heck. Yes. Wow. This is, uh, this, is this, like, is, this is Neil McCoy. So I guess I'm going to take a knee, my butt. That's right. I'm just going to take a knee, my butt. Yeehaw. Let's all just have fun taking a knee, my butt. Billy, is uh, are you saying my butt because you're censoring out the, yes, the real that, word that there? Much that, is is the, that is the only word in that song that is censored. Is that the entirety of the lyrics? That, I feel like you haven't hit the bridge yet. It doesn't look like there is a bridge. I'll, so I pulled these lyrics from our uh, sponsor this week, uh, MetroLyrics.com. <laughs> but I will take a look and see if maybe a uh, a lesser lyric site has a different version. Go to MetroLyrics.com backslash the afternooner. For, forward, forward slash. slash. I've heard it both ways. And get a discount on whatever it is they sell at MetroLyrics.com. So just to be like, I really want to spend our entire podcast parsing out these lyrics. But is it at all possible? That Neil McCoy is some country music Dadaist who is just playing absurd games the way Marcel Duchamp used urinals in like 1920s art. Is this is this at all possible? Because some of those some of those lyrics, like the hating, it's it's as though like if we wrote a song joking about a perspective like that. That's what we would have created. I I, I, I like some country so- music. Oh, I know you like country music. Very country much music so. Too, very much so. But I don't expect. I, I'm gonna butcher his name. Neil Bouchamp. How do you say what's his name? McCoy. No, the artist in the 20s with oh, the urinals. Marcel Duchamp. Marcel. I I don't expect country music artists to be doing that kind of level of artistry. That's because you're listening to the wrong kind of country music. Well, Brent, uh, this brings up a great question I have about intent in your work. So if we all had published this song, clearly we are publishing it with a very different intent than Neil McCoy perhaps is publishing it with. So even though the the words themselves don't change, are you saying that the author or the, the biographical context has something to do with the meaning of a song or the yeah, meaning of a text? I'll just answer this way. So I'll tell a story. So I was student teaching the the semester after Columbine. In fact, when I went into my my professor's office to get my assignment, Columbine was happening. I was getting my assignment for student teaching while Columbine was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that next semester, I'm I'm student teaching high schools, and these are like juniors and seniors in high school. And so I used an Onion article, and so brought an Onion article in about, and the Onion headline was something like, three months later, Columbine jocks happy to finally get back to bullying practices or something like that, right? So it, I thought it was obvious satire. We could talk, I was using it to teach satire, but half the class, it just, it didn't work because they were like, this is awful. It's so terrible that these people are going back to bullying. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, you don't understand what this means. And it was just, it was just a sudden realization that there must have been people in Jonathan Swift's time who, when he writes a modest proposal about eating babies, yeah. people are thinking like, 
either what a terrible man Jonathan Swift is or that's a pretty good idea. Let's eat Irish babies. So this is, yes, satire depends upon a larger collective ethos. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But that's probably true of all art. That's why you can do a, you know, a urinal in the 1920s, sign your name to it, and you can call it art. Well, Brent, I mean, if that's the point you're making, I don't know that Neil McCoy's fan base is one that's going to be interpreting uh, his song in a humorous way. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what's amazing about it, is I can't tell... Can you just go back to those lyrics real quick? Just do it a little quicker. Run us through some of those some some of those lines. Brent, I would love to. I really like the red, white, and blue. It's really good, and so are you. Okay, so can we stop there? Based on now, I'm assuming some sort of rhetorical interaction between listener and speaker here, because if he just means this in a universal way, then he's also including the people who are kneeling. So I think what he's really suggesting is a kind of tribalism here, and he's making a commentary on that tribalism, because the you here is not simply all people, but the people who agree with him. Because the people who are kneeling can't possibly be cool or neat or whatever they were. What are they? It's really good, and so are you. Yeah, so so he's making a statement about me, but Mm. what if I was a kneeler? Huh, Neil? America's cool. It's pretty old. This country's fun. Its heroes are bold. It's just, I have an eight-year-old son. If I asked him to write a couplet, that's what he, like, that's, <laughs> that's what, that's. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to take a knee my butt. That's right. I'm just going to take a knee my butt. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Well, yeehaw, because you have to perform this, like, cowboy ethos right like the yeehaw doesn't really belong there i bet he wears i I, I do not know i bet this guy wears a cowboy hat to his concerts. he absolutely wears a cowboy hat to his concerts i've already seen several pictures of him right this is the whole shtick let's all just have fun taking a knee my butt i mean maybe we should uh should tweet out a link to the video oh we're not done yet oh wait there's more lyrics the best the best lines are coming yeah the heck line once i saw a veteran on the street i said hey there guy you sure are neat that didn't happen Never happened. Also, is he talking to a like? If you see a veteran on the street, like, transit like is he talking about a homeless man? Yeah, and he just like he walks ta- up to him like, "Hey, you're pretty like neat." A, yeah, like a Vietnam vet still in his uh, flak jacket. Just, uh, hey, you're neat. Help me. You're neat, buddy. <laughs> hey, I this, have mental illness. This hey, guy's help. pretty. This guy's pretty neat. As his bodyguards come and push him away. I don't think Neil McCoy can afford bodyguards. I'm just gonna say that. I bowed so deep, I hurt my neck. If you hate veterans, you are going to heck. It's just, okay, again, he didn't uh, meet a veteran on the street. Second of all, he didn't bow so far he hurt his neck. First well, of all, that's bad bowing he's posture. Pretty, he's pretty old, so it could be that he, you know, twinged his neck even just off a slight bow. Wait, Wait Neil, Neil McCoy. McCoy's old? Are you assuming the veteran is bowing to Neil McCoy? No, Neil McCoy is old. He's old? He looks like an old man. Really? Yeah, I'll show you a picture of him. All right, I'll, I mean, I'll take your word for it. But it's number one bad bowing posture. You should bow at the hip, not at the neck. Just to be safe, I only curtsy. Never, never bow. Just curtsy. It's safer that way. I'm not worried about neck or uh or he's hip. Older. Bowing. Yeah. Okay. I. I. Uh, yeah. He's wearing a cowboy hat. He's got... wait. So all those pictures there are, are Neil McCoy. That's Neil McCoy with hair. Look at that. Look at those long locks. That's good hair. Yeah. That's that's a much older picture. I I believe of of Neil McCoy. He's got that same smile. You know, he's got a nice smile. I don't know about his bow, but he's got a nice smile. 
the other thing I, I I can't get a grip on is the kneeling is disrespectful, but even in the song, the bowing is respectful. The bowing is so respectful, he'll do it to the point that he hurts himself, but a kneel, I mean, we've talked about this before, like, why is, I, we get it, culturally we understand, but but the idea of kneeling is not like, just like throwing the flag on a fire or a garbage dump or something like that. So in, in the same song, a kneel is something, it's the worst thing you could do, and a bow is the greatest thing you could do. Both, both acts of uh, humility or penitence, kneeling and bowing before someone else. So much you'd hurt your neck. But what if you hurt your knee, kneeling? I'm not, I'm not going to sing the chorus because I'm sick of it now. So this... Uh, I don't want to cut you off, Brent. I mean, I don't know if we need to go through Neil McCoy's lyrics one more time. We could actually probably do that for the next 40 minutes. Here's the thing. I, we're not putting a clip of the song on this podcast because that means we'd have to buy it. And uh, look, I'm happy to buy a song no, that has different politics. It's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. We, we maybe we'll tweet it out. Maybe we'll tweet it out after the I show can't, posts. I don't know how to get it off of YouTube. I'll just put it on Facebook right now for everyone to see. Yeah, that's fine. I just I just don't want to buy it. Yeah, we're not buying it. So uh, talking about kneeling makes me think of Colin Kaepernick and the whole anthem protest in the NFL. I don't understand. What's the connection? Past few weeks, Jerry Jones, one of the the NFL owner uh, of the Dallas Cowboys, he's probably the one that was the most, uh, the the owner who became the most outspoken about kneeling, said, any player on my team that kneels, we're going to, He's not going to play for our team. We're either going to fire him or he's not. He's not going to play. Though he said this a week after when Trump went after the NFL and a whole bunch of these owners and players kneeled. He kneeled with his players, linking arm, arms, linking arms. But he did it right and then stared at the camera with this smug grin. But it was right before the anthem, and then he stood up for the anthem. So if you just saw the picture, you would think he was kneeling for the anthem. But but he actually wasn't. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so he's been very outspoken about the anthem protest. And for that reason, he's he's now in this, uh, I don't know, this uh, political shoving match with the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, someone who we also don't like very well for his stance on pretty much everything involving the NFL. But Roger Goodell's contract, who's made about 30 to $40 million a year, his contract is up this year. And back in the summer, all the NFL owners voted to allow this committee of six owners to negotiate the new contract with Commissioner Roger Goodell. Well, but since then, this anthem protest has really blown up in the NFL. And more importantly, Goodell suspended, has tried to suspend Dallas Cowboys star running back Ezekiel Elliott, mm. the running back who plays for the team, owned by Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. So since then, Jerry Jones has inserted himself, just bullied his way onto this committee, and is trying to block this contract extension for NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. He's been kicked off the committee by other owners now, and presumably, I'm assuming it's Jerry Jones's PR people that are releasing some of Roger Goodell's contract demands to make him look bad in the media. The contract demands, which are fascinating... Supposedly he's asking for fifty million a year. Correct. He already makes forty four or he, something. He makes like, like thirty thir- thirty six. It's been thirty to forty million the last few years. He's asking for fifty million a year. He's asking for lifetime health care for his family. Oh, the irony when you're talking about retired players and CTE. Because players don't get health care in retirement. Their medical expenses are not are not covered. And this is the best part. He's asking for lifetime use of a private NFL jet. 
I am never going to be in a position in my life to ask for something so audacious with a straight face. <laughs> never. Like, and that makes me sad. That's, I feel like Faust here thinking about human experience and like, I want to experience it all. I want to know what it's like to be able to look at another human being and demand a private jet for the rest of my life with a straight face. And he looks like uh, he's maybe in his early to mid 50s. So it's not like he's in his late 70s here and he's only got three year, five years left of using that private jet or healthcare in retirement. He's got another 20 to 30, maybe 40 years. Which of those, I guess this is an impossible question to answer. Which of those two things costs more? I mean, that's the, the jet, right? I, well, like, I know it depends, it depends on how many on... times you use it, how far you travel. So yeah, like, the, and the health insurance, does does anyone have any any chronic illnesses sure. or anything like that? Which of those, if you had to give him one of them, which one would you give him? If you if if, if uh, he's willing to work for one of those three items? Well, so let's say he gets his salary, but then somebody comes to you and says, hey, choose whether he gets health care or a private jet. Which do you give him? Do you I give mean, him the health care or the private jet? I, ha- I really have no context for how much a private jet cost so like if if we're gonna t- if we decided to go to the tiny jackson airport right after we finish a recording studio studio and fly to niagara falls hmm. you know maybe if what is a seven hour drive how much would that cost us to fly there in a private jet for three of us i have no i have no point of reference for that at the same time though it, at least the health insurance is for some sort of noble cause so, like, because it's the, for his family. Yeah, the the private jet is just frivolous. So, yeah. don't you always go to the health insurance? Like, that's the one I'd give him because even if I thought he was winning the negotiations, well, at least, at least they're getting health care out of it. But if he gets a private jet out of me, this is just, this is nothing but ostentatiousness. But don't you think he wants the health care more than he wants the private jet? So maybe you say, "Hey, you get the private jet, not the health care." You, yeah, yeah. Well, so you're thinking of it as a negotiation, as a sort of like a spiteful thing. I'm just like, or, so you're asking for ridiculous things. Here's a private jet. You don't get healthcare. Do you think he's maybe asking for so much more than he's earned? In, like, you, I think you said his last last year, it was estimated his contract was 36 million. Is that what you said? Yeah, Billy? I think so. 36 or 38. So he's asking for significantly more in money and these two extra perks, significant, financially significant perks. Do you think he's like, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't want to quit or resign. I'm just going to ask for a lot more so they have to they have to kind of uh, make the choice not to go with me. Or, or what about if it's just you ask for more than you want because as a negotiation tactic, you comes oversell, down. it comes yeah. down, it seems like you're giving something up, but really you knew you are never going to get yeah, that in the first maybe place. maybe that's the case. It's still a bizarre ask because so, the one is just completely frivolous, but the other is the health care of my family. Like the the one doesn't seem. I mean, like it's more money than he needs. Fine, whatever. It's healthcare for the rest of my life. Like I understand why a person wants that. The other one is just, eh? Why not this? Like it's just like I want a canyon somewhere. I want to own a canyon. <laughs> well, um, he should contact Lou Yost at the National USGS to help <laughs> him name a canyon after Goodell Canyon. Just a real quick update on that. I will be writing the proposal about. Uh, Crusot Peak over Christmas when hey. I'm not in the middle of of work. So that's and, happening. Yes, or or marathon training, or marathon training. Yes. Yeah. And speak if I just as an aside, we're going to get back to Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones here in a second. But if you've not given the races in a, a week and week and a half, when the, by the time this podcast posted, it'll be a week and a half, December second. You, you still have time. Heroes.stjude.org/slash/forward or backward. I'm not sure, but a slash the afternooner. 
Thank you. Yep, that's right, Robbie. So we don't like Roger Goodell. He's got these ostentatious demands. He's asking for significantly more money than he's made in the past. Mm-hmm. The NFL is dealing with problems from declining ratings. Some owners don't like the way that he's not taking a stronger stance on the anthem protest, which honestly, we've often criticized Roger Goodell. I think I've I've appreciated that he's not been as heavy-handed as I think some owners want him to be about the anthem protest. E- even as heavy-handed as the NBA. Yeah, the NBA, which is probably the most progressive professional sports league in America has been fairly heavy handed about, we're not going to tolerate any Anthem protests, but so we've mocked Goodell as handling of concussion stuff. These inconsistencies, you know, deflate gate and controversies, domestic violence of his players being the judge, jury and executioner uh, when it comes to league wide discipline. But in this scenario, I think I actually root for Roger Goodell because Jerry Jones is such an unlikable figure as the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Once these small group of six owners that Jerry Jones included voted to give them the power to negotiate this contract, when he the own the the commissioner didn't do things he liked, like take a stronger stance on the anthem and then tried to suspend his star running back, all of a sudden he doesn't he doesn't want to renew the commissioner's contract. He butts in this committee. When the committee kicks him out, now he's threatening to sue the NFL and all the other owners. You can go back to the first Afternooner episode. Afternooners out there, if you don't believe me, go to back to the first episode where I state... Early November 2014. Early November 2014, where I state that I was raised not to follow a certain team, but not to like Los Angeles and New York City teams because they get all the media attention, and not to like the Dallas Cowboys... America's team. Because my father really liked Tom Landry... And Jerry Jones, when he bought the Cowboys, sent Tom Landry, the the legendary coach, just Hall of Fame packing. coach. Yeah, Hall of just Fame sent coach. him packing. Tom Landry, the only coach in the history of the Cowboys when Jerry Jones bought the team in 1989 or 90. Just sent His him to the curve. First thing he did was got rid of uh, Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry. That's what I've known about Jerry Jones ever since I was like 12 <laughs> years old. And I've never rooted for the Cowboys because of that. Even when I really liked Tony Romo. Even when I, there were certain players, I was like, yeah, he seems like a fine guy. I couldn't do it because it's just now I have an even better reason to just dislike these Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones has is threatening to sue the NFL if they extend the owners, extend the commissioner's contract. He sued the NFL before a couple times in the mid-90s, mostly over licensing and TV rights because as America's team – he didn't want to go with the NFL contract for whatever it was, Coke or Pepsi. He wanted to have his own own vendor in in uh, Dallas Cowboys Stadium. So he sued them so he didn't have to follow, do what the group so, chose to do. He could do his own thing to make more money for himself. It's hard to believe that in this argument over very rich people, we find both sides unlikable. But yet I find myself wanting to side with the guy who, who asks for $50 million a year and a private jet for lifetime use and lifetime health care. I find myself wanting to side with that guy as the good guy in this story. I do believe Roger Goodell's on Twitter. Do we want to send out a tweet to him in negotiations with him about what side our podcast will take? We get one use per year of that private jet. <laughs> Should he get it if we side with him? I, I, think, uh, I think he might appreciate that support. He might give it to us. He might give us use of the jet if we... Uh, throw our weight, the afternoon or weight, the afternoon or bump behind Roger Goodell and his contract negotiations. Now, moving away from the NFL, we have another topic given to us by a donor 
to heroes.stjude.org slash the afternooner. And that topic, it might be our strangest topic to date. No. Is it? Given by given by a donor. Given by a donor. Muppets are pretty strange. So whose whose topic is this? This is uh, racing expert Eric Shaw Mm. has provided us a topic. He could have come on the show. He just said, nah, I don't want to come on the show. I've done that before. I don't need to do it again. Been there, done that. (laughs) So what he wants us to talk about for 10 minutes is Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. Cordyceps, that's uh, a parasitic fungus, right? Exactly. Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. Did you did you know did you look this up ahead of time or did you know that was a fungus, a parasitic fungus? As soon as he read it out loud, it's it's an un, rather unimpressive reason I know this. So the critically acclaimed video game The Last of Us, it's sort of a post-apocalyptic world because cordyceps have made the jump from bugs and insects and and small creatures to mammals. And have eventually like learned to infect humans. Well, let's we're getting right. ahead of ourselves, so let's let's get the timer. We're gonna start rolling. the timer. We're gonna explain to you what this fungus is and just sort of walk you through it. Are we ready to talk about Ophiocordyceps unilateralis? I am ready with the timer. Whenever you start talking, I will press start. We're gonna take you to Brazil in the forest floor of the jungle. Where Carpenter ants live their happy lives doing everything good that ants do for this world. Hmm. At the same time, in the Brazil forest floor is a fungus, a fungus called Ophiocordyceps unilateralis, often called the zombie ant fungus. Mm -hmm. Because what it does is it gets inside an ant and takes over the ant and makes the ant crawl up a plant 25 centimeters. It does not climb up 30 centimeters. It does not climb up 20 centimeters. It climbs up through no will of the ants. The fungus is making it do this. It climbs up 20 centimeters, 25 centimeters. (laughs) 25 centimeters, thank you. And then it latches on with its jaws, and then it just stays there until it dies. And then, and we'll post some pictures so, of so this. So the ant is latching on, on on a stick, a twig, branch, tree, 25 centimeters Blade off of grass, the ground. Yes. Yeah, something. And then it dies. And then this while stalk. It's, while it's hanging there. Correct. Yes. And it still hangs there once it's dead. And then a stalk bursts out of the head. Slowly. Yes, slowly. Bursts out of the head or, of the ant. Or body. Like or head fun, and body. Like a fungi? Fun, yes, like, fungi, a, like, fun. a, like a mushroom without the head comes straight up, and that's the fungus. Like, it turns the ant into, like, what you might see, like, a fallen log with just, like, fungus coming out of it. And it comes out, and then the spores explode and then fall over. And this is how the fungus reproduces. So if ants recognize this happening, they'll actually carry the infected ant away, and they'll drop it away from the nest. Otherwise, this could infect the entire nest, because when the spore bursts, there's thousands, if not millions, of spores. So the this fungus gets inside the the ant like it gets into it's like takes over its brain. Here's the thing. So it's, it takes over its like a neurological system. It's controlling the ant. It's not just ants though. This is du- like hundreds of species of cordyceps that infect many different types of insects. 
Well, I can't speak to the others because the reason Eric Shaw has given Ophiocordyceps unilateralis is because it's in the news lately. Now, we've known about this fungus for a while, but this is what we didn't know. We've always assumed... It we've always I'm ass- sorry to cut you off. It, it hasn't made the jump to humans, right? No, it has not made the hu- jump to humans. <sighs> this is, of course, the, the sort of science fiction fear just in reading a story about this. But what we've always thought is that the fungus takes over the ant's brain and then... Because there's, uh, there's actually other creatures that can, like, this happens with cockroaches where you can, like, steer a cockroach. They, they can steer a cockroach now using, like, Radio wave? Really? Yeah. So that, that's what they thought it was. But they've recently discovered at Penn State University that oh. the fungus does not take over the brain. Oh. The fungus takes over the muscles. Oh my so the, the fungus wraps around the muscles of the ant and then is just pulling it back and forth oh my to make it. So the ant, if we don't, we don't understand the consciousness of an ant, but the ant is theoretically, if whatever consciousness it has, saying, I am not wanting to do this, I am not wanting to climb up this stalk. I am not wanting to latch on here, but it's just happening. That's more. This sounds, this sounds horrible. Yeah, that's yes. more horrifying yes, than the alternative. Because, because uh, I mean, maybe an ant's not really that much of a sentient creature, but let's assume it has some awareness of itself and its surroundings. To to be its body to be moving and it to be aware that it is completely out of control. It really, really does sound awful. Again, this isn't just ants. So when I think of the lowest form of intelligence in an insect, it's probably ants, maybe termites. I don't know what. Is there something lower than that in terms of insects? Like those are hive mind yeah, I mean, I creatures. This happens to more than just ants. Um, I've already posted in anticipation of this conversation a really lovely uh, video with, is it... Um, Attenborough, what's his first name? David Attenborough. David Attenborough of, of BBC Wildlife. And it's a three-minute video of this happening. And it's a lot of sped-up videos. You can actually see the fungus exploding out of the corpses of these of these insects. It's kind of beautiful in a way. Here. So so apparently, yeah, I mean, it, I, I wouldn't call that beauty. We're watching a video of a stalk emerging uh, out of... A dead ant. The, of a dead I mean, ant. Is it, is it dead at this point? Oh, it's yeah. dead. Yes, it's dead. But it's it's uh, it's atrophied in a way that is still holding itself up on this yes. twig or tree or blade of grass, whatever it is. So, so what's amazing about this fungus is, of course, you're trying to think about... We're th- talking about the, the, the consciousness of an ant, but then you have to think about the consciousness of a fungus because it has to get the muscles to move the right way. So there's a cordyceps-infected grasshopper. So so obviously, to get the grasshopper to move, the wings have to be, like, everything is moving. It has to get exactly 25, it goes exactly 25 centimeters, Cordyceps-infected uh, spider. So the question is, how? what is the consciousness of a fungus like? Cordyceps-infected be- moth. Because if the... the the, the, a fungus doesn't have a consciousness. So if it's wrapping around the muscle, how is the the left hind leg and the right foreleg interacting? To, it, yes. So they itself are like a hive-minded creature that's somehow communicating with itself. Even th- like these cells are communicating as though they're one organism, but they're not really one organism. So to me, the consciousness of the ant is horrifying. But the consciousness of the fungus is even worse. I mean, this, this, what you're describing is the end of the human race. This is the end of the human race. 
these fungi fungi will evolve until they're able to take over humans' bodies, make us go 25 centimeters off the ground, not that high for us, <laughs> latch on with our jaws, and then spread uh, out of our heads. Yeah, because physically, even if we can resist the muscle control, which I don't know how that translates from ant, you know, controlling an ant to controlling a human's muscles. Ants are very strong for their size, so that makes me think this fungus is very strong when it gets around your muscles. Uh, but even if we can resist that, it just slowly kills us anyway, and eventually fungus bursts out of our bodies and creates spores. And like, even if we resist it, we're still dead. I would like David Attenborough of the BBC to address this because I am worried for the safety of my children and my future grandchildren. Why have I brought children into a world where we're all going to be destroyed by fungus? Of course, the nightmare in this, Robbie, is not just that your children are being destroyed by the fungus, but that you are destroying your children. And you are conscious of it, but you can't stop it oh. because the fungus is controlling you, but not your mind. Oh. So you know you're tucking Greta in one night, your youngest child. You're tucking your daughter in, and you're about to breathe on her, knowing that you're going to give her the fungus. Wait, is the fungus making Robbie tuck her in? Well, yeah, it's evolved. Like It's the- evolved to know that he has to fulfill the role of father by tucking his daughter in? Is that really any stranger than having it? An ant climbed 25 centimeters exactly off of a rainforest floor and just latching on? We need to get one of these Penn State people on the podcast just to reassure me that I don't have to worry about the safety of my daughter, daughter's existence being taken over by some fungus. If, and you know that you're doing it and you can't stop it. Brent, like, I asked you earlier today if you've watched the Marvel series Jessica Jones and you said no. Yeah, but no. the, the villain of that series has this as a superpower. He can talk to someone and say, like, hey, you want to invite me in? And that person says, like, yes, I want to invite you in. So he's a Jedi. Well, kind of a Sith Lord with Jedi power. Oh, my gosh. So... All right, yeah, I'm never watching this show. So, but th- <laughs> to me, to me, one of the things that I think about is just the idea of consciousness. So we as a complex creature, like our liver is speaking to our pancreas and it's speaking to our brain. We're not conscious of this. And we wouldn't say it has some sort of consciousness, but it obviously has the ability to communicate. So doesn't it doesn't it sort of challenge what your idea of consciousness is when when something like a fungus can work together in this way? Because does each individual spore have any sort of- does my, does my liver and pancreas kind of each have their own mind? So to speak, a mind of its own. Well, they're alive. Well, they're I, alive. They're but, alive, but I don't know that I necessarily attribute that to consciousness as much as a function, which I think is a, what the fungus is doing. But this we're talking about will. So, like this, this fungus has a will. This, this fungus has an amazing will. I mean, are you saying when and it's a collective will? Sure, but are you saying when somebody has a muscle spasm or something like that, like that's a will? Like I know that this is like this is like an organized control, and that the there, yes, it has a will, and that it's controlling it to go a direction. I just really don't want to think about it, and I don't want to give the cordyceps as much credit or power as it clearly has. Well, this is why the mind is different than the brain, right? Because the brain is a series of cells. Now we're out no, of time. Okay, well, oh, you know thank what? Goodness. We were we were oh. really getting down into consciousness there, but uh, luckily all we've really left you with is the bald horror of Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. Maybe we need to call a sports ethicist and philosopher, Matt Hill, to give us his take on, you You were about to get into the mind and the brain and talking about the will. I don't know if he has anything to say about that, but maybe. I think he'd just say that it's, it's just this fungus, this is their biological makeup. This is their, 
DNA is what they're genetically supposed to do. D- does fungus have genes? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, course. everything. Everything but, has genes. But, but that's just what they're... But it's responding to the environment because it's it's making the ant move over stuff. When you watch like, the videos, it, it looks almost as if it's extremely drunk. So like, it's not doing this efficiently. It's bumbling about. And that's when the ant colony can say, like, oh, something's wrong. Almost like it's yeah, rabid. So for the sake of the ant, I hope it's not... I hope it's, like, almost, like, makes it kind of drunk in some inebriated state. So it doesn't realize what's happening to it, or that it's out of control of its own. No, with or, this with this new information, I would think that it's the it's fungus fighting, it. fighting, right? It's it's trying to not climb up. It's that's like, why maybe the fungus. I mean, what is more selfless in the animal kingdom than an ant toward its nest, right? I mean, it willingly dies for its. It doesn't even think of itself as an individual creature. It's just part of something larger. And when that kind of selflessness. That like a genetic level selflessness can be turned on it. Like what a horrifying state for that ant if it understood itself or horror in well, any yeah, kind of way. Yeah, I mean ants have, I would say, a ridiculously stronger will than humans when you put it that way. Yeah, it's it's and, and then that will is sort of not that that will is connected to the will of these other Hold organisms. On. I'm sorry, we no we we passed our time. Ten All right, minutes. Well. If you'd like us to talk more about crazy species that'll make you not sleep tonight, call us. 517-798-6187. And tell us that you just donated to heroes.stjude.org slash the afternooner. Tweet at us. At the afternooner. Stitcher us. Is that a thing, Robbie? No, you listen to us on Stitcher. Got it. Okay, all right. Hey, so speaking of, uh, we you know, we had one guy that donated a few weeks ago, I think one of your former students, Brent, and he donated at the level, he's not giving us permission to share his name on the air, so I won't say it, but he donated a level that he gets a slap. Yes, and he's uh, military. He's military, but he, unfortunately for you, uh, unfortunately for him, he's not He's not local. And so he did, he did ask, is it a slap that can be fulfilled at a later date? And you agreed to it. Yes, absolutely. Next time he's geographically in proximity to you, he can smack you silly. Well, it's all he's my former student, but also his wife. And it seemed like the donation was on his wife's behalf and a surprise. So maybe we shouldn't be saying this because we're giving something away. But maybe this is his Christmas present to her. They're going to come back home. And hey, I, I got you a present. You get to slap your professor in the face. Which so, of them so, do you think would be more excited about slapping you? Well, I know who I'd be more. Ha- I don't want to say because whoever I insult, the other person is going to slap me even harder. So I, I did, and, and you, you agreed to this. So I yes. texted him. It's a little bit of an update. I don't think I've shared this with you. I texted him and said, "Hey, Brent's agreed. It could be a slap that could be paid at a later date." But I said, "It seems like you'd want." We want. I want to get. I want to see Brent get slapped before the marathon. So I said, "Is there a proxy that you could designate that region is not too far geographically from us that could come and smack Brent?" And and I said, "Hey, we're open to any kind of options. Whatever ideas you have." And he said, um, "Thanks, Robbie. I'll write. I'll let you know. Let me think about it." And he said, "How about just the first person that he comes into contact with, whose name happens to be Todd?" <laughs> So the next Todd you interact with, Brent, you need to tell that person, hey, I need you to slap me across the face. Can we role play this? Uh, let's just be at I'll, like a- I'll be Todd. Yeah, let's just be at a Christmas party. I show up. There's not a lot of people I know there. And, uh, you know, we're mingling. Here we go. Hey, I'm Brent. Nice to meet you. Hey, Brent. Uh, 
How are you? I'm I'm Todd. Todd. Yeah, Todd. Todd, slap me. Todd, wait, what? Slap me. Across the face, slap me. Uh, you'll take my wife, but first you'll slap me. Wh- who's who's your wife? Slap me. No, why, why, why would I hit you? Slap me. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm Todd. Todd Stevens. This is your only chance. If you don't slap me, I'm going to slap you. Slap me. If you slap me, we're going to have a problem, buddy. Just slap me, man. I'm a pacifist. I'm turning the other cheek. You got to hit me on the other cheek now. My little baby don't want to slap me. Slap me. It's for the it's for the sick children. There's a lot of there's a lot of sick children out there, and if you don't slap me, we're letting them all down. I I, I don't understand what you want. This doesn't make any sense. There are sick children, and I need to slap you for the sick children. Yeah, well, frankly, Todd, we could fill a dump truck with what you don't understand. Now, just slap me. <laughs> oh God, you didn't even let me put my mouth guard in, man. Scene. I have a question. The Todd in that scenario, after Brent said, you'll have my wife, Todd's response was, who's your wife? What was Todd thinking there, Robbie? Todd's just confused. What's he talking about? I I don't know who his wife is. I don't think I even met his wife before. Well, you're going to marry her. What? I don't even know who you are. You're Robbie now. I'm Todd. I'm Todd Stevens. Somewhere. Over the rainbow. Oh that's God. that's what you start. You, that's why I thought. I thought we were going back into somewhere out there. It did sound like somewhere over the rainbow. I'll cut that out. <laughs> All right. So so next Todd you run into. That's I'm just throwing that out there. That was the request from the person who donated to that level. Here's the thing though. I do, and this we talked about this. I do want to wear a mouth guard. Yeah, I think yeah. it's fair. That's fair. So it's, your, just, it's your, your rules. So, you're giving levels. So now you can set the terms. The real role play is slap me, but hold on, let me put a mouth guard in first. <laughs> like, that's even weirder, so right? So you have to, like, you're goading some random Todd that you meet. You have to goad him into getting angry enough that he's actually going to hit you. He's so annoyed with you, but not so angry that he's not going to give you an, enough notice to let you slip that mouth guard in first. Yeah, I got to put the mouth guard in right away and then start insulting him. But and, if but he punches in, me in the stomach, yeah, I'm like, nope, in, you got to slap. Only insult him that it's an open hand hit to the head or the face, not a closed fist. What do? You, what is that insult? What is the insult that gets you to slap another man but not punch him? Oh, my gosh. Do I, like, is, is it, a, I mean, this is like, you have offended my honor, sir. Like, yeah, but, but you're going to respond to your honor being offended by... Slapping? Well, you could take your gloves off and slap me with your gloves. I mean, that's more of a sort that's of more dueling of, thing. Yeah. So what you're saying, the only I'm, I'm, way- I'm trying to imagine a scenario where you would get me so upset that I want to hit you in some way, but not so upset I'm going to punch you, I'm only going to slap you across the head. Well, don't you think that's possible? Because you think, like, have you ever really punched someone as an adult? I haven't. I mean, are we talking- you're sucker hauling. punches? We're talking sucker punches here? <laughs> no, no, I've never punched someone in as an adult. Now, we are not fighters in any kind of way, but look, when you punch someone, you can kill someone, and especially, not even based on their fall. We, we have stories of people accidentally getting killed from one single punch. Billy so, Budd. Yes, Billy Budd, uh, a friend of all of us on the show, went out to sea, and when he came back, he had accidentally killed someone. Well, he didn't come back. He did, well, he, his body came back. Spoiler alert on the 19th century Melville novella. But you might have it in your head, like, I can't hit someone because I could really kill them, so I'm just going to slap them because you're just so flustered. Isn't it possible you're so flustered that you just slap me instead? So I'm trying to find out what 
is the insult, Robbie. I don't listen to the afternooner. Is that the insult? Someone says to you, I don't listen to the afternooner. <laughs> uh, I, no, I, I, I don't know. What, I don't have an answer for you because it's, it's, uh, I think that's a very, very narrow range that you've got to get somebody to the point where they're angry enough to hit you, but not so, but just a little bit angry because they're going to slap you with an open hand. I, I, yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't, maybe Billy has the answer for you. Yeah. Uh, Billy, do you have a insult in mind? I've never insulted someone in my life. <laughs> what about Neil McCoy? Listen, this is a really stupid conversation, Brent. <laughs> Brent, we've talked a little bit about the NFL today. I think we're wrapping up week 11 as we record this. We've not talked about the NFL a lot this season, but. I think there might have been a Blaine Gabbert sighting a Blaine this week. Gabbert sighting? Sounds like it's time for a Blaine Gabbert action update. It is good. It's good to hear that sound again. We haven't we haven't been able to hear that in a while. It has been a while. Now Blaine Gabbert is the third string quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals this year. He was platooned last season with Colin Kaepernick on the San Francisco 49ers. Thanks for nothing, Kaepernick. But you're telling me that Blaine Gabbert has risen the ranks from third-string quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals to actually playing in a game this week? Is it because the two quarterbacks in front of him were injured? Yes. But Billy and I actually watched this game together with official podcast anthemist Josh Cook, who is probably a little jealous that we did the anthem without him. But uh, Blaine Gabbert, three touchdowns. He threw for three touchdowns today. The 49ers, they have, have they no, won yet this no, season? The, the Cardinals. Oh, the Cardinals. Sorry, the Cardinals. Who yes. they, who'd they yes. play? They played the Texans. And did they win? They did not win. That, I feel like we can't put that on Blaine Gabbert, though. Blaine he threw Gabbert, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. He did more than anyone expected him to do. And did he have any interceptions? I'm not sure. I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is going to check. I'm just going to say he didn't have any interceptions. Also, he did CPR on a lady who nearly died in the stands. He did everything we could have possibly asked for him. That last part's not true, right? You, no, he did throw an interception. Uh, <laughs> he, but, actually, he actually threw two interceptions. Oh, really? He still yeah, threw so, more touchdowns than he threw well, interceptions. So, uh, 64.7 completion percent for 257 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, a 92.4 rating overall. I bet that's one a solid of those, rating. One of those was batted, probably. One yeah. of them was a one of was a receiver's fault. It wasn't his fault. So what we're saying is Blaine Gabbert should have a future. I mean, has three touchdowns in one game. Give the guy a chance. He's really not had a chance anywhere in this league. But not unrelated to the Blaine Gabbert action update, only in the sense that it's not Blaine Gabbert. There was a quarterback this week in the NFL, a rookie. Yeah. Nathan Peterman, who came in. And in his first 14 passes, threw five interceptions. Wow. He, he, was, he, he, was, he was brought in controversially for a quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, who was doing okay. For the Not Buffalo great. Bills. For the Buffalo Bills. They bring in this rookie from like the fifth round. He does terribly. So now people are going to talk about why did they bring Nathan Peterman in? What is it like to bring Tyrod Taylor back? All I want to think about, though, is what's it like to be Nathan Peterman right now? Like this, this is, is his first game. That in is the NFL. humiliating. 
humiliating. Well, it How was, many of those it, other nine passes did he actually complete? He threw five interceptions in the first half. And then was benched. Yeah. So they brought Tyrod Taylor back in the game? Brought him back in. Half. So five interceptions in a half. I think Bill Barnwell tweeted out that it was the third worst fantasy score for a quarterback since 1970 in 47 years. So if you never have a, if you never get a chance to play again in the NFL, that's the only thing you're known for. Now he's on a rookie contract. He's probably making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Is that enough? I mean, I'm just I know someone will say like, "Well, he's making a lot of money as a football player." He's not making that much money given how much he's put into football. Yeah. And second of all, just that level of public shame. That's that's like Nathan Peterman. That's that's a rough week. I mean, I he think- wishes there was an ophiocordyceps unilateralist to take over his muscles. I think the record for most interceptions in a game uh, was Ty Detmer with the Cleveland Browns. Now, is it the new Cleveland Browns or the old Cleveland Browns? I don't remember, but he threw seven interceptions in one game. Seven interceptions. Now, the difference here, it wasn't his first game. He had been a journeyman quarterback. He'd been around the block a few times. But it was it was seven interceptions. But Peterman was outpacing him. This yeah, is five I mean, and one half. I mean, Peterman was on. Honestly, the Bills coach really, really did a disservice to all NFL stat heads. They took Peterman's chance of setting a new NFL record out away from him. Had he played that second half, he could have obliterated that seven interception per game record and put it out of reach for a long time. Do you think the coach pulls him out? They were getting blown out by that point. Do you think he pulls him out because he's trying to win the game? Or does he have a human thought like, oh, this is... Yeah, he's he's saving. He's say it's a humane. I think it's a humane act by the coach to just get him out of the game. But this is your second quarterback on a professional franchise. You had to know he was this bad, or if he's not really this bad, and it was just a bunch of fluky stuff. Is then it, you give him the second half. Yeah, is it? But is it is it fluky stuff? But also at this point, hey, he's he's in his own head. He's a rookie. He doesn't know how. He's not processing this well. Well, you'll never have an inspirational sports movie when you have coaches taking you out after the bad half. That's a great point, Brent. Thanks, Billy. That's a great point. You still insulted me earlier. No, I didn't. I stick by what I said. I have never insulted anyone, (laughs) and that is an afternooner fact. Well, Nathan Peterman's not going to be starring in a sports movie anytime soon. And that was your Blaine Gabbert action update. Blaine Gabbert action update. Thanks for listening to the Afternoon or Sports Podcast this week. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet at us at the Afternooner. Until next time. So long. Bye.